Section seven of the Verbalist. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Borst. The Verbalist by Alfred Ayres. Section seven. Observe through provoke. Observe. The dictionaries authorize the use of this word as a synonym of say and remark. As, for example, what did you observe? For what did you say or remark? In this sense, however, it is better to leave observe to the exclusive use of those who delight in being fine. O'clock. It is a quarter to ten o'clock. What does this statement mean, literally? We understand by it that it lacks a quarter of ten, in other words, of being ten. But it does not really mean that. Inasmuch as two means toward, it really means a quarter after nine. We should say, then, a quarter of, which means literally a quarter out of ten. Of all others. The vice of covetousness of all others enters deepest into the soul. This sentence says that covetousness is one of the other vices, a thing that cannot be another thing, nor can it be one of a number of other things. The sentence should be, of all the vices, covetousness enters deepest into the soul, or the vice of covetousness of all the vices enters, etc., or the vice of covetousness, above all others, enters, etc. Of any. This phrase is often used when of all is meant. Thus, this is the largest of any I have seen. Should be the largest of all, etc. Off of. In such sentences as, Give me a yard off of this piece of calico, Either the off or the of is vulgarly superfluous. The sentence would be correct with either one, but not with both of them. The apples fell off of the tree. Read, fell off the tree. Often. This adverb is properly compared by changing its termination. Often, oftener, oftenest. Why some writers use more and most to compare it, it is not easy to see. This mode of comparing it is certainly not euphonious. O. O. It is only the most careful writers who use these two interjections with proper discrimination. The distinction between them is said to be modern. O-H is simply an exclamation and should always be followed by some mark of punctuation, usually by an exclamation point. Oh, you are come at last. Oh, help him, you sweet heavens. Oh, woe is me. Oh, I die, Horatio. Oh, in addition to being an exclamation, denotes a calling to or adjuration. Thus, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. O grave, where is thy victory? O heavenly powers, restore him. O shame, where is thy blush? 
older, elder. He is the older man of the two, and the oldest in the neighborhood. He is the elder of the two sons, and the eldest of the family. The elder son is heir to the estate. He is older than his brother by ten years. On to. We get on a chair, on an omnibus, on a stump, and on a spree, and not on to. One. Certain pronouns of demonstrative signification are called indefinite because they refer to no particular subject. This is one of them. If we were putting a supposition by way of argument or illustration, we might say, Suppose I were to lose my way in a wood, or suppose you were to lose your way in a wood, or suppose one were to lose one's way in a wood. All these forms are used but, as a rule, the last is to be preferred. The first verges on egotism, and the second makes free with another's person, whereas the third is indifferent. If one's honesty were impeached, what should one do, is more courtly, than to take either one's self or the person addressed for the example? One should be followed by one, and not by he. The better acquainted one is with any kind of rhetorical trick, the less liable he is to be misled by it. Should be, the less liable one is to be misled by it. In the phrase, any of the little ones, one is the numeral employed in the manner of a pronoun, by indicating something that has gone on before, or, perhaps, has to come after. I like peaches, but I must have a ripe one, or ripe ones. Professor Bain says in his Composition Grammar, quote, This pronoun continually lands writers in difficulties. English idiom requires that when the pronoun has to be again referred to, it should be used itself a second time. The correct usage is shown by Pope. One may be ashamed to consume half one's days in bringing sense and rhyme together. It would be against idiom to say half his days. Still, the repetition of the pronoun is often felt to be heavy, and writers have recourse to various substitutions. Even an ear accustomed to the idiom can scarcely accept with unmixed pleasure this instance from Browning. Alack! One lies oneself, even in the stating that one's end was truth, truth only if one states so much in words. The representative I, or we, occasionally acts the part of one. The following sentence presents a curious alternation of we with one, possibly not accidental, George Eliot. It's a desperately vexatious thing that, after all one's reflections and quiet determinations, we should be ruled by moods that one can't calculate on beforehand. By the use of we here, a more pointed reference is suggested while the vagueness actually remains. Fenimore Cooper, like Scott, is not very particular. An example may be quoted. Modesty is a poor man's wealth. But as we grow substantial in the world, patroon, one can afford to begin to speak truth of himself as well as of his neighbor. Were Cooper a careful writer, we might persuade ourselves that he chose we and one with a purpose we might indicate that the speaker had himself 
and the patroon directly in his eye, although at the same time he wanted to put it generally, and one might hint that modesty succeeded in getting the better of him. But himself and his would alone show that such speculations are too refined for the occasion. The form a man, which was at one time common, seems to be reviving. In Adam Bede we have, A man can never do anything at variance with his own nature. We might substitute one. Men was more frequent in good writing formerly than now. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Do men gather grapes of thorns? Hume is fond of expressing a general subject by men. Small birds are much more exposed to the cold than large ones. This usage is hardly indefinite, and it needs no further exemplification. End quote. Only. This word, when used as an adjective, is more frequently misplaced than any other word in the language. Indeed, I am confident that it is not correctly placed half the time, either in conversation or in writing. Thus, in its pages papers of sterling merit only, will only appear. Miss Braddon. Things are getting dull down in Texas. They only shot, only, three men down there last week. I have only got, only, three. Only is sometimes improperly used for except or unless. Thus the trains will not stop only when the bell rings. The meaning here is clearly except when the bell rings. Dr. Bain, in his Higher English Grammar, speaking of the order of words, says, quote, The word requiring most attention is only. According to the position of only, the same words may be made to express very different meanings. He only lived for their sakes. Here only must be held as qualifying lived for their sakes, the emphasis being on lived, the word immediately adjoining. The meaning, then, is he lived, but did not work, did not die, did not do any other thing for their sakes. He lived only for their sakes, only now qualifies for their sakes, and the sentence means he lived for this one reason, namely for their sakes, and not for any other reason. He lived for their sakes only. The force of the word, when placed at the end, is peculiar. Then it often has a diminutive or disparaging signification. He lived for their sakes, and not for any more worthy reason. He gave sixpence only is an insinuation that more was expected. By the use of alone instead of only, other meanings are expressed. He alone lived for their sakes, that is, he and nobody else did so. He lived for their sakes alone, or for the sake of them alone. That is, not for the sake of any other persons. It was alone by the help of the Confederates that any such design could be carried out. Better only. When men grow virtuous in their old age, they only make a sacrifice to God of the devil's leavings. Pope. Here only is rightly placed. Think only of the past as its remembrance gives you pleasure, should be. Think of the past only as its remembrance, etc. As he did not leave his name, it was only known that a gentleman had called on business. 
it was known only. I can only refute the accusation by laying before you the whole. This would mean the only thing I am able to do is to refute. I may not retaliate or let it drop. I must refute it. The negroes are to appear at church only in boots. That is, when the negroes go to church they are to have no clothing but boots. The negroes are to appear only at church in boots might mean that they are not to appear anywhere but at church, whether in boots or out of them. The proper arrangement would be to connect the adverbial adjunct, in boots, with its verb, appear, and to make only qualify at church and no more. The negroes are to appear in boots only at church. End quote. It thus appears very plain that we should look well to our onlys. Ought, should. These two words, though they both imply obligation, should not be used indiscriminately. Ought is the stronger term. What we ought to do we are morally bound to do. We ought to be truthful and honest, and should be respectful to our elders and kind to our inferiors. Overflown Flown is the past participle of to fly, and flowed of to flow. As, therefore, a river does not fly over its banks, but flows over them, we should say of it that it has overflowed, and not that it has overflown. Overly. This word is now used only by the unschooled. Owing. Refer to do. Pants. This abbreviation is not used by those who are careful in the choice of words. The purist does not use the word pantaloons, even, but trousers. Pants are worn by gents who eat lunches and open wine, and trousers are worn by gentlemen who eat luncheons and order wine. Paraphernalia. This is a law term. In Roman law, it meant the goods which a woman brought to her husband besides her dowry. In English law, it means the goods which a woman is allowed to have after the death of her husband, besides her dower, consisting of her apparel and ornaments suitable to her rank. When used in speaking of the affairs of everyday life, it is generally misused. Parlor. This word, in the sense of drawing-room, according to Dr. Hall, except in the United States and some of the English colonies, is obsolete. Partake. This is a very fine word to use for eat, just the word for young women who hobble on French heels. Partially. Partly. It is only partially done. This use of the adverb partially is sanctioned by high authority, but that does not make it correct. A thing done in part is partly, not partially done. Participles When the present participle is used substantively in sentences like the following, it is preceded by the definite article and followed by the preposition of. The omitting of the preposition is a common error. Thus, or it is the drawing a conclusion which was before either unknown or dark, should be the drawing of a conclusion. Prompted by the most extreme vanity, he persisted in the writing bad verses, should be in writing bad verses, or in the writing of bad verses. There is a misuse of the article a, which is very common. 
It is the using it before the word most. Moon. Most writers would have said the using of it. Mr. Moon argues for his construction. Particles. Nothing but study of the best writers and practice in composition will enable us to decide what are the prepositions and conjunctions that ought to go with certain verbs. The following examples illustrate some common blunders. It was characterized with eloquence. Read by. A testimonial of the merits of his grammar. Read to. It was an example of the love to form comparisons. Read of forming. Repetition is always to be preferred before obscurity. Read to. He made an effort for meeting them. Read to meet. They have no other object but to come. Read other object than, or omit other. Two verbs are not unfrequently followed by a single preposition, which accords with one only. For example, this duty is repeated and inculcated upon the reader. Repeat upon is nonsense. We must read is repeated to and inculcated upon. Nichols' English Composition, page 39. We often see for used with the substantive sympathy. The best practice, however, uses with. Thus, words cannot express the deep sympathy I feel with you. Queen Victoria. Party. This is a very good word in its place, but it is very much out of its place when used, as it often is by the vulgar, where good taste would use the word person. Patronize. This word and its derivatives would be much less used by the American tradesman than they are if he were better acquainted with their true meaning. Then he would solicit his neighbor's custom, not their patronage. A man can have no patrons without incurring obligations, without becoming a protege. While a man may have customers innumerable, and, instead of placing himself under obligations to them, he may place them under obligations to him. Princes are the patrons of those tradesmen whom they allow to call themselves their purveyors. As John Smith, haberdasher to H. R. H., the Prince of Wales. Here the Prince patronizes John Smith. Pell-mell. This adverb means mixed or mingled together. As men, horses, chariots, crowded pell-mell. It cannot properly be applied to an individual. To say, for example, he rushed pell-mell down the stairs is as incorrect as it would be to say he rushed down the stairs mixed together. Per. This Latin preposition is a good deal used in English, as, for example, in such phrases as per day, per man, per pound, per ton, and so on. In all such cases, it is better to use plain English, and say a day, a man, a pound, a ton, etc. Per is correct before Latin nouns only, as per annum, per diem, per cent, etc. Perform She performs on the piano beautifully. In how much better taste it is to say simply, she plays the piano well, or more superlatively, exceedingly well or admirably. If we talk about performing on musical instruments, to be consistent, 
we should call those who perform piano performers, cornet performers, violin performers, and so on. Perpetually. This word is sometimes misused for continually. Dr. William Matthews, in his Words, Their Use and Abuse, says, The Irish are perpetually using shall for will. Perpetual means never ceasing, continuing without intermission, uninterrupted, while continual means that which is constantly renewed and recurring, with perhaps frequent stops and interruptions. As the Irish do something besides misuse shall, the doctor should have said that they continually use shall for will. I might perhaps venture to intimate that perpetually is likewise misused in the following sentence, which I copy from the London Queen, if I were not conscious that the monster who can write and print such a sentence would not hesitate to cable a thunderbolt at an offender on the slightest provocation. Judge if my fears are groundless. Quote, but some few people contract the ugly habit of making use of these expressions unconsciously and continuously, perpetually interlarding their conversation with them. End quote. Person. Refer to party. Also, individual. Personality. This word does not, as some persons think, mean the articles worn on one's person. It is properly a law term, and means personal property. There is but one case on record of a peer of England leaving over $7,500,000 personality. Personification. That rhetorical figure which attributes sex, life, or action to inanimate objects, or ascribes to objects and brutes the acts and qualities of rational beings, is called personification, or prosopopoeia. The mountains sing together, the hills rejoice and clap their hands. The worm, aware of his intent, harangued him thus. See, winter comes to rule the varied year, sullen and sad with all his rising train. Thompson So saying, her rash hand, in evil hour, forth reaching to the fruit, she plucked, she ate. Earth felt the wound, and nature from her seat, sighing through all her works, gave signs of woe, that all was lost. Milton War and love are strange compeers. War sheds blood, and love sheds tears. War has swords, and love has darts. War breaks heads, and love breaks hearts. Levity is often less foolish, and gravity less wise, than each of them appears. The English language, by reserving the distinction of gender for living beings that have sex, gives a special scope for personification. The highest form of personification should be used seldom, and only when justified by the presence of strong feeling. Bain Knowledge and wisdom, far from being one, have oft-times no connection. Knowledge dwells in heads replete with thoughts of other men, wisdom in minds attentive to their own. Knowledge is proud that he has learned so much, wisdom is humble that he knows no more. Cowper Phenomenon Plural, Phenomena Plead 
The imperfect tense and the perfect participle of the verb to plead are both pleaded and not pled. He pleaded not guilty. You should have pleaded your cause with more fervor. Plenty. In Worcester's Dictionary we find the following note. Quote, Plenty is much used colloquially as an adjective in the sense of plentiful, both in this country and in England. And this use is supported by respectable authorities, though it is condemned by various critics. Johnson says, It is used barbarously, I think, for plentiful. And Dr. Campbell, in his Philosophy of Rhetoric, says, Plenty for plentiful appears to me so gross a vulgarism that I should not have thought it worthy of a place here if I had not sometimes found it in works of considerable merit. End quote. We should say, then, that money is plentiful, and not that it is plenty. Pleonasm Redundancy or pleonasm is the use of more words than are necessary to express the thought clearly. They returned back again to the same city from whence they came forth. The five words in italics are redundant or pleonastic. The different departments of science and of art mutually reflect light on each other. Either of the expressions in italics embodies the whole idea. The universal opinion of all men is a pleonastic expression often heard. I wrote you a letter yesterday. Here a letter is redundant. Redundancy is sometimes permissible for the surer conveyance of meaning, for emphasis, and in the language of poetic embellishment. Polite. This word is much used by persons of doubtful culture, where those of the better sort use the word kind. We accept kind, not polite, invitations, and when any one has been obliging, we tell him that he has been kind. And when an interviewing reporter tells us of his having met with a polite reception, we may be sure that the person by whom he has been received deserves well for his considerate kindness. I thank you and Mrs. Pope for my kind reception. Atterbury Portion This word is often incorrectly used for part. A portion is properly a part assigned, allotted, set aside for a special purpose. A share, a division. The verb to portion means to divide, to parcel, to endow. We ask, therefore, in what part, not in what portion, of the country, state, county, town, or street do you live? Or, if we prefer grandiloquence to correctness, reside. In the sentence, a large portion of the land is unfilled. The right word would be either part or proportion, according to the intention of the writer. Posted. A word very much and very inelegantly used for informed. Such expressions as, I will post you, I must post myself up, if I had been better posted, and the like, are at the best but one remove from slang. Predicate. This word is often very incorrectly used in the sense of to base, as he predicates his opinion on insufficient data. Then we sometimes hear people talk about predicating an action upon certain information or upon somebody's statement. To predicate means primarily to speak before. 
and has come to be properly used in the sense of assumed or believed to be the consequence of. Examples. Contentment is predicated of virtue. Good health may be predicated of a good constitution. He who is not very sure that he uses the word correctly would do better not to use it at all. Prejudice. Prepossess. Both these words mean to incline in one direction or the other for some reason not founded in justice. But by common consent prejudice has come to be used in an unfavorable sense, and prepossess in a favorable one. Thus we say, he is prejudiced against him, and he is prepossessed in his favor. We sometimes hear the expression, he is prejudiced in his favor, but this cannot be accounted a good use of the word. Prepositions the errors made in the use of the prepositions are very numerous. The indolent child is one who, that, has a strong aversion from action of any sort. Graham's English Synonyms, page 236. The prevailing and best modern usage is in favor of to instead of from, after averse and aversion, and before the object. Clearness enables the reader to see thoughts without noticing the language with which they are clothed. Townsend's Art of Speech We clothe thoughts in language. Shakespeare and the Bible are models for the English-speaking tongue. Ibid If this means models of English, then it should be of. But if it means models for English organs of speech to practice on, then it should be for or, if it means models to model English tongues after, then also it should be for. If the resemblance is too faint, the mind is fatigued while attempting to trace the analogies. Aristotle is in error while thus describing governments. Ibid. Here we have two examples, not of the misuse of the preposition, but of the erroneous use of the adverb while, instead of the preposition in. For my part, I cannot think that Shelley's poetry, except by snatches and fragments, has the value of the good work of Wordsworth or Byron, Matthew Arnold, should be, except in snatches. Taxes with us are collected nearly, almost, solely from real and personal estate. Appleton's Journal. Taxes are levied on estates and collected from the owners. If I am not commended for the beauty of my works, I may hope to be pardoned for their brevity. Cobbett comments on this sentence as follows. Quote, we may commend him for the beauty of his works, and we may pardon him for their brevity, if we deem the brevity a fault. But this is not what he means. He means that, at any rate, he shall have the merit of brevity. If I am not commended for the beauty of my works, I may hope to be pardoned on account of their brevity. This is what the doctor meant, but this would have marred a little the antithesis. It would have unsettled a little of the balance of that seesaw in which Dr. Johnson so much delighted, and which, falling into the hands of novel-writers and of members of Parliament, has, by moving unencumbered with any of the doctor's reason or sense, lulled so many thousands asleep. Dr. Johnson created a race of writers and speakers. Mr. Speaker, that the state of the nation is very critical, all men will allow, but that it is wholly desperate, few will believe. 
When you hear or see a sentence like this, be sure that the person who speaks or writes it has been reading Dr. Johnson, or some of his imitators. But observe, these imitators go no further than the frame of the sentences. They, in general, take care not to imitate the doctor in knowledge and reasoning. End quote. The rhetoricians would have us avoid such forms of expression as, The boy went to and asked the advice of his teacher. I called on and had a conversation with my brother. Very often the preposition is not repeated in a sentence when it should be. We say properly, He comes from Ohio or from Indiana, or He comes either from Ohio or Indiana. Prepossess refer to prejudice present introduce few errors are more common especially among those who are always straining to be fine than that of using present in the social world instead of introduce present means to place in the presence of a superior introduce to bring to be acquainted a person is presented at court and on an official occasion to our president but persons who are unknown to each other are introduced by a common acquaintance, and in these introductions it is the younger who is introduced to the older, the lower to the higher in place or social position, the gentleman to the lady. A lady should say as a rule that Mr. Blank was introduced to her, not that she was introduced to Mr. Blank. Presumptive. This word is sometimes misused by the careless for presumptuous. Preventive. A useless and unwarranted syllable is sometimes added to this word, preventative. Previous. This adjective is much used in adverbial sense, thus, previous to my return, etc. Until previous is recognized as an adverb, if we would speak grammatically, we must say, previously to my return. Previously to my leaving England, I called on his lordship. Procure. This is a word much used by people who strive to be fine. Where did you get it? With them is, where did you procure it? Profanity. The extent to which some men habitually interlard their talk with oaths is disgusting even to many who, on occasion, do not themselves hesitate to give expression to their feelings in oaths portly and unctuous. If these fellows could be made to know how offensive to decency they make themselves, they would, perhaps, be less profane. Promise. This word is sometimes very improperly used for assure. Thus, I promise you I was very much astonished. Pronouns of the first person. Quote, the ordinary uses of I and we as the singular and plural pronouns of the first person, would appear to be above all ambiguity, uncertainty, or dispute. Yet when we consider the force of the plural we, we are met with a contradiction, for, as a rule, only one person can speak at the same time to the same audience. It is only by some exceptional arrangement, or some latitude or license of expression, that several persons can be conjoint speakers. For example, a plurality may sing together in chorus, and may join in the responses at church, or in the simultaneous repetition of the Lord's Prayer or the Creed, 
Again, one person may be the authorized spokesman in delivering a judgment or opinion held by a number of persons in common. Finally, in written compositions, the we is not unsuitable, because a plurality of persons may append their names to a document. A speaker using we may speak for himself and one or more others. Commonly he stands forward as the representative of a class, more or less comprehensive. As soon as my companion and I had entered the field, we saw a man coming toward us. We like our new curate. You do us poets the greatest injustice. We must see to the efficiency of our forces. The widest use of the pronoun will be mentioned presently. We is used for I in the decrees of persons in authority, as when King Lear says, Know that we have divided in three our kingdom. By the fiction of plurality, a veil of modesty is thrown over the assumption of vast superiority over human beings generally. Or, we may be regarded as an official form whereby the speaker personally is magnified or enabled to rise to the dignity of the occasion. The editorial we is to be understood on the same principle. An author using we appears as if he were not alone, but sharing with other persons the responsibility of his views. This representative position is at its utmost stretch in the practice of using we for human beings generally, as in discoursing on the laws of human nature. The preacher, the novelist, or the philosopher, in dwelling upon the peculiarity of our common constitution, being himself an example of what he is speaking of, associates the rest of mankind with him, and speaks collectively by means of we. We are weak and fallible. We are of yesterday. We are doomed to dissolution. Here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. It is not unfrequent to have one sentence, or in close proximity, both the editorial and the representative meaning, the effect being ambiguity and confusion. Let us, the author, now consider why we, humanity, generally, overrate distant good. In such a case the author should fall back upon the singular for himself. I will now consider. We, speaker, think we, himself and hearers together, should come to the conclusion. Say either I think, or you would. The following extract from Butler exemplifies a similar confusion. Suppose we, representative, are capable of happiness and of misery in degrees equally intense and extreme, yet we, representative, are capable of the latter for a much longer time beyond all comparison. We, change of subject to a limited class, see men in the tortures of pain. Such is our, back to representative, make that anything may become the instrument of pain and sorrow to us. The we at the commencement of the second sentence, we see men in the tortures, could be advantageously changed to you, or the passive construction could be substituted. The remaining we's would then be consistently representative. From the greater emphasis of singularity, energetic speakers and writers sometimes use I as representative of mankind at large. Thus, the current impressions received through the senses are not voluntary in origin. What I see in walking is seen because I have an organ of vision. 
The question of general moral obligation is forcibly stated by Paley in the individual form, Why am I obliged to keep my word? It is sometimes well to confine the attention of the hearer or reader to his own relation to the matter under consideration, more especially in difficult or non-popular argument or exposition. The speaker, by using I, does the action himself, or makes himself the example, the hearer being expected to put himself in the same position. End quote. Bain's Composition Grammar Pronouns of the Second Person Quote, Anonymous usages have sprung up in connection with these pronouns. The plural form has almost wholly superseded the singular, a usage more than five centuries old. Footnote. The use of the plural for the singular was established as early as the beginning of the fourteenth century. Morris, page 118, section 153. End footnote. The motive is courtesy. The singling out of one person for address is supposed to be a liberty or an excess of familiarity, and the effect is softened or diluted by the fiction of taking in others. If our address is uncomplimentary, the sting is lessened by the plural form, and if the reverse, the shock to modesty is not so great. This is a refinement that was unknown to the ancient languages. The orators of Greece delighted in the strong, pointed personal appeal implied in the singular thou. In modern German, thou, du, is the address of familiarity and intimacy, while the ordinary pronoun is the curiously indirect they, sie. On solemn occasions we may revert to thou. Cato, in his meditative soliloquy on reading Plato's views on the immortality of the soul before killing himself, says, Plato, thou reasonest well. So in the commandments, thou addresses to each individual an unavoidable appeal, thou shall not. But our ordinary means of making the personal appeal is, you, sir, you, madam, my lord, you, etc. We reserve thou for the special case of addressing the deity. The application of the motive of courtesy is here reversed. It would be irreverent to merge this vast personality in a promiscuous assemblage. You is not unfrequently employed like we as a representative pronoun. The action is represented with great vividness when the person or persons addressed may be put forward as the performers. There is such an echo among the old ruins and vaults that if you stamp a little louder than ordinary, you hear the sound repeated. Some practice is required to see these animals in the thick forest, even when you hear them close by you. There should not be a mixture of thou and you in the same passage. Thus Thackeray, Adventures of Philip. So as thy sun rises, friend, over the humble housetops round about your home, shall you wake many and many a day to duty and labor. So, Cooper, Water Witch. Thou hast both master and mistress? You have told us of the latter, but we would know something of the former. Who is thy master? Shakespeare, Scott, and others might also be quoted. Ye and you were at one time strictly distinguished as different cases. Ye was nominative, you objective, dative, or accusative. 
but the Elizabethan dramatists confounded the forms irredeemably, and ye has gradually ousted ye from ordinary use. Ye is restricted to the expression of strong feeling, and in this employment occurs chiefly in the poets. End quote. Bain's Composition Grammar Proof This word is much and very improperly used for evidence, which is only the medium of proof, proof being the effective evidence. What evidence have you to offer in proof of the truth of your statement? Refer also to evidence. Propose Purpose Writers and speakers often fail to discriminate properly between the respective meanings of these two verbs. Propose, correctly used, means to put forward or offer for the consideration of others. Hence a proposal is a scheme or design offered for acceptance or consideration. A proposition. Purpose means to intend, to design, to resolve. Hence a purpose is an intention, an aim that which one sets before one's self. Examples. What do you purpose doing in the matter? What do you propose that we shall do in the matter? I will do means I purpose doing, or to do. I purpose to write a history of England from the accession of King James the Second down to a time which is within the memory of men still living. Macaulay. It will be observed that Macaulay says, I purpose to write, and not I purpose writing, using the verb in the infinitive rather than in the participial form, on which he purposed to mount one of his little guns. Refer to infinitive. Proposition. This word is often used when proposal would be better, for the reason that proposal has but one meaning, and is shorter by one syllable. He demonstrated the proposition of Euclid, and rejected the proposal of his friend. Prosaist Dr. Hall is of the opinion that this is a word we shall do well to encourage. It is used by good writers. Proven This form for the past participle of the verb to prove is said to be a Scotticism. It is not used by careful writers and speakers. The correct form is proved. Providing The present participle of the verb to provide is sometimes vulgarly used for the conjunction provided, as in this sentence from the London Queen. Society may be congratulated, providing that, etc. Provoke Refer to aggravate. End of section 7 Recording by Bill Borst